and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Five o'clock hour, the Burns and Gambo Show. Happy Wednesday to you here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Gambo is live from the Auction Community Studios. I am working from home today. Got a little case of the COVID last night. Tested positive. Rules are rules. I'm home. But we are uh, together. We're here. We're talking sports. And we're talking about the main story of the day. And that is Matt Ishbia, who apparently, as we're led to believe, this thing has been pushed through maybe a little faster than it normally would be pushed through. According to reports today on ESPN, confirmed by us here at Arizona Sports, Matt Ishbia's purchase in a majority stake of the Suns and the Mercury is expected to become official in the next two weeks. He would assume control prior to the February 9th NBA trade deadline. The NBA Board of Governors is expected to ratify the purchase with a vote in early February. This will clear the way for him to oversee the team's deals with the front office. He's eager to start. He's expected to be a quote-unquote hands-on owner in matters of team building. I, I don't know exactly what that means. We might need to talk about it. But clearly, Gamble, I'm getting the impression from this story and from the subsequent reporting that there is a real urgency to making sure Matt Ishbia is in charge of things before that trade deadline so he can sign off on anything they might want to Sure. Do. I mean, I think that's probably, you know, what everybody deems is fair. You know, if the Suns are in somewhat limbo over, you know, Robert Sarver's ability to control the purse strings right now, I mean, there may be a rush to try to get it done so the Suns aren't handcuffed, so the Suns aren't, you know, uh, you know stopped in, in a position where they can't do anything. Give them the ability to make the trades that they have to make. Now, I still think that, like, for the Jay Crowder trade, and I've been told a hundred times on this, there's no, there's no hang-ups there. Jay Crowder has not been, the reason Jay Crowder hasn't been traded, because there's not been a good deal yet. Not because, oh, you know, you can't approve it. I mean, you could, the, the Suns could trade Jay Crowder at any time. But other deals, especially deals that add, fi, you know, financial money to yeah. the coffers for the next couple of years and change their luxury tax situation, that may be something that, you know, that they're just unwilling to do until Matt Ishbia takes over. I think that's the big one here. I, I have no doubt that your reporting on this is is correct. I, I really don't think this has anything to do with Jay Crowder. I don't think this has anything to do with the Jay Crowder trade unless Jay Crowder is part of a bigger trade that involves draft picks and Dario Saric and adding a player who's got multiple years left on his deal. I mean, if that's the case, then yes, it does. I think this is bigger than Jay. I, I think this is about more than Jay. I don't think I agree with you, and I trust your reporting on this one. I, I don't think this has stopped them from tra- trading Jay Crowder. I think perhaps this has, and every time we talk with James about this, I, I get the impression from him that there are parameters that are in place. Now he has not want to. You know, talk specifics with us about what those parameters look like, about what they are and are not allowed to do. But I get the distinct impression that they are there. Rushing Ishbia through, and that's probably the wrong word, but just you know, putting some kind of urgency on it clears the way for the Suns. If there's something that James want to do that he didn't have approval to do it, get it done. I, I don't know what that is. I don't know what that's going to look like, but I know for Suns fans today, you could feel the excitement over social media when the story was broken. I mean, it was almost like, oh, finally. Okay, here we go. Matt Ishbia is Ishbia's in charge, and let's see what the Suns do with this now. I don't know if it's going to look like that, Gamble, but I know Suns fans are excited. Yeah, there's no question. And, you know, James saying, I've talked with them. Monty saying, I've talked with them. How far they've gone, I don't think they've gone into deep discussions. And 
there's probably, you know, there probably been some, but they can't sit down and spend, you know, hours going over everything. It's not finalized. He hasn't taken over the team yet. The NBA has probably told him as well, look, as much as you may want to do anything, not until this is final and approved, can you, you know, talk with everybody about this. Now, him going to the game probably was an indication that, yeah, it's really close. And I think that's why you got the word today it's going to be done by the February 9th trade deadline. Is there a rush to get it done by then? I'm sure there is. I'm sure you're right. I'm sure the NBA very much wants to have this done and move on, uh, just to, to move on from the Robert Sabrera and let Matt take over and, you know, give the Phoenix Suns every opportunity to be run with uh, the way that he wants to run them. And for and yeah, gets clarity. More important, just clarity. Everybody needs clarity. What's, what's going on here? What can we do? That is exactly the word James Jones used with us when he was on with us earlier. I expect so. I mean, I think it'll be be final. Um, until that point in time, um, we'll continue to try to figure that part out. But definitely looking forward to it. You know, my conversations with Matt um, have been fleeting. Um, but overall, I know that he's excited about being a part of this and, and, and pushing us in another direction. So I'm excited. And I know our fan base and players can't wait for that day. Yeah, and I can't wait either because I want to know what it looks like. What, you know, is he willing to go deep into the luxury tax? How deep is he willing to go? Is he willing to be like a Clippers level taxpayer? Maybe that's dreaming too big, but you, but you know where I'm going with this, right? Has, has James hands been tied in any way, shape, or form over the last year because of this this ownership situation, and do they become untied during the trade deadline, and does he get to do something big, fun, bold? Now, maybe not. Maybe for James, it's just kind of status quo, and he'll make a move with Jay Crowder, and he'll save his assets until the offseason, but I think you can expect that if they do something big at the trade deadline, it's just natural to assume that Matt Ishbia had something to do with that if this happens by February 9th. I don't, yeah, I think that there has to be. Because again, I don't think a trade could be made where you go add a player with three years and $30 million in salary and you blow up your tax and now instead of paying, you know, $20 million, you're paying, you know, you're paying $70 million. I mean, that, that you know, you're not going to want to do that without approval of the new owner that's coming in. So that that's, that's going to happen. If he comes in right at the deadline, I mean, you know, once maybe the NBA gives him some leeway the few days before the deadline, saying, well, look, we're real close, but we'll, we'll, we'll give you the opportunity to kind of lay it forward, what your plan is and, and what you want to do. That way, it's it just like, hey, here's the last day, Matt's in. So I would imagine by the trade deadline probably means it's going to happen two or three days before that. So that way they could form a plan on what to do that day. Yeah, James Jones also told us earlier that really every conversation he's had so far with Matt has been not basketball specific. It's just more these kind of big picture macro ideas. None of those conversations. Our conversations have been just more macro level. Um, what we want the Suns to continue to stand for and be, and uh, you know, just continue to to, to do the job. Uh, focusing on trying to win a title. But again, to your point, I got to imagine yeah, they've got to be careful here. But I gotta imagine there are some back channel conversations that have happened too, right? I mean, he's been—I don't know if he was there last night, but he's been there for the last handful of games. I, I, I you know, he's not allowed to have official conversations. I gotta think there's a general idea of what he wants to do when he takes over. I would think probably I, I may come may come from a third party, may come from somebody else. He might be able to tell tell Robert Sarver that too, or Sam Garvin. He sat next to Sam Garvin at the game. Sam right. Garvin is running the organization right now in Robert Sarver's absence. That's who he sat next to at that basketball game. I mean, you, you don't think they discussed that? No, listen, no, sure and remember this. Here's the other thing. They're not buying full control of the team. 
They're buying what? What's it called? An evaluation uh, of the team? Evaluation of the team? They're buying a part of the team. They're buying the majority interest in the team. But there are some of those owners that were under Robert Sarver's minority owners that are staying on. Yes. Who and how much percentage? I don't know that. But you know, maybe Sam Garvin is one of those guys. But you would think, if anything, that you know him and Sam Garvin would have talked about that. Here's my plan. Here. And now Sam Garvin could go to James Jones and Monty Williams and say, here's what's going to happen. He fully intends to allow you guys to go to $50 million in luxury tax or $60 million. He totally agrees that you guys should be able to trade draft picks to get the guy that you want. He wants you to go for it. You might have that discussion. Hey, you want us to go for it this year or not? What would you know? Yeah, I want you guys to go for it. You know, no, I don't want to go for it. Like, So that might be conversations that he had with Sam when he was sitting next to him at the game this week. I just can't imagine that he's going to want to go status quo. I think he's going to want to make a splash. Now, maybe not on February 9th. Maybe not at the trade deadline. But sometime over the summer, I, I got to imagine coming in as the new owner and the and the the kind of the white horse sort of vision that we have coming in to save the Phoenix. Not save the Phoenix Suns, but you know, when a new owner comes in, there's always this feeling like it's just going to be new and different and better and an improvement. I got to imagine he's going to be feeling that wave too. I just can't imagine him not doing anything. I, I fully expect something bold, either at the trade deadline or in the offseason, because I just think that's what happens when new owners come in, especially oh, guys always. with the money of Madishbia. Yeah, they want to win the fans over. They want to win the media over. They want to make sure that they show that they're committed to winning. There's, there's no doubt that, that there will be more money available to spend than, than what has been previously allowed. Last week, it was Sean Payton. Yesterday, it was Dan Quinn. Earlier in the week, it was Brian Flores. Today, today the new favorite to be the Cardinals' next head coach is a name that we will share with you next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports. Cardinals' head coaching search. Update. 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 Gambo sent me a story today. i got to admit, I was a little surprised by it. It's just one man, just one man's opinion. It's got very much a flavor of the day, flavor of the week kind of thing to it. Like yesterday, we were talking about Dan Quinn. The day before that, we were talking about Brian Flores. We've been talking about Sean Payton this whole time. There is a suggestion from, what is it, Bleacher Report? Yeah, Bleacher Report, that... The leader in the clubhouse for the job is Frank Reich. Now, that's an interesting name to me because, I, to the best of my knowledge, he hasn't interviewed a second time for the Cardinals. So I'm not exactly sure how they got Frank Reich as the guy, other than he's one of the few offensive coaches that they've spoken to when he's kind of calm and he's not going to be prone to emotional outbursts and maybe he can relate better to Kyler. But it's their suggestion, Gambo, that in their opinion, if he isn't the leader in the clubhouse, that Frank Reich should be the leader in the clubhouse for the Cardinals job. Yeah, it'd be interesting. We've talked so much about a defensive guy taking over the reins and you know whether you could get Frank Reich as your coordinator if he doesn't get another job. But then here we would be a guy that, you know, is an offensive guy and a former quarterback and orchestrated one of the greatest comebacks in the, the history of the NFL that I remember with the Buffalo Bills against uh, uh, Houston, uh, one of my most memorable games as a kid growing up. And here's Frank Reich, and you're looking at him, you're saying, okay, he's, you 
know, he's a guy that might be able to get a lot out of Kyler. I think that would be a move that's, you know, based a lot on I got a big investment in Kyler Murray. I want to get the most yep. out of him. Uh, maybe if you look at him and say he's got head coaching experience like some of these other guys do and you, you value that. And then he, you know, then listen, here's the other thing, too. If you, We haven't talked about this. We've talked about hiring a defensive guy and then what offensive coordinators you can get. We've never talked about hiring an offensive guy and then what defensive coordinators you can get. Because they're, you know, not all of these defensive guys are going to end up getting jobs. So you might end up being able to get a pretty good defensive guy to come in and be your coordinator if you did go with a Frank Reich on offense. Potentially. I mean, the, the, the trick would be is that a lot of those defensive coordinators, that would be lateral moves for them. Yeah, you're not going to get Dan move. Quinn to leave Dallas to come be your defensive right. coordinator. I get it. But there, you know, but there are, you know, but, but those coordinators, you know, that do leave and do get jobs, you know, there are probably really good candidates, you know, in different organizations that are linebacker coaches or secondary sure. coaches and guys like that that could come in here and be a defensive coordinator. Frank Reich makes sense to me for exactly the reason you just said a second ago. It's rooted in the belief that you have to hire an offensive guy. And it's rooted in the belief that, and I don't share this belief, and I know you don't, that the only, the the proven method of having success in today's NFL is to hire an offensive guy as your head coach. I think if you look at the eight teams that played last weekend, only Sean McDermott was the only defensive-minded head coach that was out there. The rest were offensive guys. I don't buy into that as long as you've got a good offensive coordinator and so for me that's not but if that's your thing if that's your if that's your you're hung up on that then Frank Reich I mean other than Sean Payton really is the only one who checks that box could you I hire Brian curious. could you hire Brian Flores as your defensive coordinator sure you could that's a promotion for him right it's a promotion sure. absolutely so you hire you Frank you Reich as your offensive guy and Flores is your defensive guy sorry you didn't get sure. the coaching job but you're the defensive coordinator's job yeah, he's interviewed for defensive coordinator jobs in this cycle. So it's not like it'd be out of the norm for him to take a defensive coordinator's job. Right. So, I mean, that's... Would he be, would he be disappointed not being the head coach after interviewing for it? Would he... I guess a lot of it would depend on how much money he gets and how much closer is he to being a head coach in this league if he does accept a D.C. job. But I think you're, you hire Frank Reich... And again, I don't want to make it sound like we've heard that that's what's going to happen or anything. We're just kind of thinking out loud here. But if you hire Frank Reich as your head coach, yeah, Brian Flores is one of the few guys that you've interviewed who could be your defensive coordinator, and that's not a lateral move. Let me throw you another one. What about about, what about Ejiro Ivaro? Well, he is the defensive coordinator for the Broncos, so that would be a lateral move for him. But what if? But the Broncos are going to hire a new head coach. Well, yeah. If he's okay, so if he's available, sure. If a new head coach comes in and fires a zero of zero, sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he 100%. was he was you know he was offered the interim job after Hackett was fired. He passed on it. He remains the coordinator, but you know maybe somebody comes in. You know, if Sean Payton or somebody comes in, there's no there's no guarantees that he's going to stay as the Denver defensive coordinator. No, none at all. So what if a new coach comes in and wants to hire his own defensive coordinator? What if Sean Payton takes the job and he wants to hire his own defensive coordinator? Now Ajiro Vero is available. So I'm just saying I think there are some some good names that are available that you may be able to get in tandem with an offensive guy that can really make for a good coaching staff. Eventually, somebody's going to hire a coach. I can't believe we're this late into the cycle and nobody's done it yet. I know. Only... only five teams, which I, I get is, is weird. Usually there's more. But I would have expected somebody by now. There was a rumor going around the NFL today that today might be the day for the Broncos. And that it might be David Shaw, the Stanford coach. 
Uh, of course, we haven't heard anything new about Dan Quinn's second interview with the Cardinals. That was supposed to happen either last night or today, according to the reports. Sean Payton's interview is still scheduled for tomorrow. There's this, you know, really, I don't want to call it pervasive, but man, a lot of people are talking around the league. A lot of what you and I have been talking about the last couple of days, like it kind of feels like the window has passed and closed for Sean Payton. Here's Ian Rappaport this morning on NFL's network. When this all started, the assumption was as soon as Sean Payton decides where he's going to go, then everyone else will know where they're going to go, and then the coaching searches will resume from there. It's now reached a different point, and if you go through the different places that Sean Payton has has interviewed, it does not seem like a second interview is coming with any of those places. Almost suggesting, I'm going to play one more from Rappaport, almost suggesting that maybe he's overplayed his hand a little bit. I'm saying that as of right now, it does not seem like there is a place for Sean Payton. We'll see, but it does not seem like there is a place in the coaching world right now. Of course, the Cardinals could still go get him tomorrow, but if if he is strict about his compensation, if the Saints are strict about their compensation, you've been an advocate all along, not, you know, far more than I have. I'm not giving up. Not giving up a lot of assets for Sean Payton. No. It feels like the rest of the NFL kind of feels the same way. Yeah, because what was, you know, we're, we're basing what the compensation is on stuff that happened 20 years ago. The landscape was different then. You know, you're talking about Parcells and Belichick and Gruden. That was 20 years ago or more. Like, you know, so what, you know, what has changed? A lot has changed in those in that time. Maybe a first round draft pick is is not worthy of a coach like Sean Payton. You know, another guy, and I was just thinking this, I don't think this could ever happen, okay? I think okay. that bridge has been burned. But what if Steve Wilkes doesn't get the job in Carolina? Somebody's going to get a hell of a defensive coordinator. Yeah. I don't think, think about it, Evero. Interesting idea. Evero and Wilkes and Flores. I mean, if you hire an offensive guy, any of these teams, and those guys don't get head coaching jobs, there are some really good defensive coordinate candidates, co- coordinated candidates out there. Like you know, if Wilkes doesn't get the job in Carolina, the guy that gets it probably isn't going to have him as the defensive coordinator. Whoever comes into Denver, if it's not Evero, they're probably not going to have Evero as a defensive coordinator. Flores wasn't even the defensive coordinator with Pittsburgh. So if you decided to go that route with an offensive guy. There are good names available as defensive coordinators. Yes or no? It's 525 right now. This time tomorrow, has a team hired a coach? Yes. Okay, I agree. Yes. I think by this time tomorrow, someone's broken the seal. And somebody has has hired a coach. Who? Where? I don't know. But I think by this time tomorrow, somebody's done it. Uh, The Texans have announced they've completed second interviews with Broncos defensive coordinator Ejiro Aviro and Mike Kafka. Um, There's some belief in Indianapolis that it might come down to Eric Bieniemy or Jeff Saturday. And that the longer Jeff Saturday is in this, the greater chance it is that he wins it. In fact, I read somewhere that the belief coming out of Indianapolis is that the front office wants somebody else and the owner really wants Jeff Saturday. And at the end of the day, if the owner really wants Jeff Saturday, he's going to get what he wants, which I just think is crazy. They're going to talk him out of that. They're they, going they to gonna talk him out of it. They have to. Steve Wilkes and Frank Reich have had second interviews with the Panthers. Kellen Moore, the Cowboys offensive coordinator, has had a second interview with the Carolina Panthers as well. And really interesting on the coaching front, apropos of nothing, Bruce Arians apparently extremely unhappy with the Buccaneers that they fired all of his guys. That they fired. I mean, Todd Bowles is still the coach, but the Todd Bowles fired all of his guys. According to reports coming out of Tampa, Bruce is very, very, very upset by that. Very upset. I mean, it just goes to show you that Bruce doesn't have any say in what's going on in that organization, which makes me kind of think, like, I wonder if Bruce was kind of forced out. Yeah. 
That makes me wonder that, too, and it makes me wonder if Bruce could not that he'd come back here and be the coach, but if you gave him something to do, like really gave him something to do, could you bring him back here? Could you bring Bruce back here in some sort of... Depends on who the head coach is and the connection he has with Bruce Arians. I'm going to say no. I mean, I'm just going to say no. Um, because I think whoever they hire, they're going to want to hire their own guys. And just going back, you know, going backwards with Bruce Arians, I don't expect that to happen. I know what you're saying. I mean, he could be a good yeah. voice for somebody, a good soundboard. Especially if you, had, if you were hiring a college coach or a, you know, a real, you know, a, a coach that was really young, didn't have a lot of experience. Then maybe you hire him as a senior advisor to somebody to bounce ideas off of. Sure. We've got the Burns and Gambo Show podcast. You can subscribe right now on your iPhone or your Android. You'll never miss any of the shows. The Burns and Gambo Show is brought to you by Carol Royce Keller Williams Realty East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. Mel Kuyper Jr.'s mock draft 1.0 drop today. What stood out to us the most? How does it impact the Cardinals? We'll talk about all of it next on the Burns and Gambo Show. And Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Oh, classic Van Halen right here with Jamie Stryan. Offensive tackle. That's going to be interesting to watch to see how his career unfolds. But for Arizona, that's what they need to get him at three. A guy that, as you said, Field, going into this year, you said it's a lock. I don't care who the quarterbacks are. You can't pass him up. But this year, you didn't see the Bosa, Nick Bosa, the Miles Garrett, Joey Bosa, Von Miller. Uh, you didn't see that this year from, from Will Anderson Jr. And that's why I think he could drop to that third spot and still be a guy that you have to wonder, is he a 6 7 8 9 sack guy or is he that 12 to 15 18 sack guy? Uh, that remains to be seen. Sorry, Gambo, I didn't mean to step on you uh, talking about James Van Halen. Van Halen. Well, that's, you know, when you talk about Will Anderson, that's the, the scary thing. Is he, If he's a 6 7 8 sack guy, you may have made the biggest mistake in the draft. If he's, you know, 11 12 13 sack guy, you may have hit a home run. You know, you, so that's the thing with him. He's a he was a dominant player in college. Absolutely. I, I, I can't imagine he's not going to be a good player in this league. I prefer Carter, Jalen Carter over Will Anderson. Okay. I'll take the bulk okay. uh, for sure. Okay. I'll take the bulk. But I think that, listen, edge rusher, you know, it's it's a necessity here. We haven't had one. They they lost Chandler Jones, who was terrible in Arizona, even worse in Vegas. Uh, Marcus didn't step up. Marcus Golden didn't step up. They got a couple of guys that were okay. Yeah, you see these teams, the Eagles, they got all these guys with 10 sacks. I'm like, man, we wish we had that. <laughs> right? The Eagles oh, yeah. have four guys. The Eagles have four guys with 10 or more sacks. So some of these teams, just real dominant, having a lot of different guys that could get to the quarterbacks. We struggled to have one. If you wonder why we're playing, and first of all, let me just, for this audience too, the reason why I'm at home, Gambo's back there in the studio, I'm a little under the weather, so I'm doing the show from here, Gambo's there, that's why we're not communicating very well with each other, so now that we cleared that up, uh, Mel Kiper Jr. released his first mock draft of the year today, and and you know we're going to see a million of these from here until the draft, it's, it's, so it's not, but it being the first from one of the premier guys who does it, it's always kind of a conversation starter. He does not project any trades. Now, eventually he will. He decided not to for this first one. He's got Jalen Carter 1 to the Bears. He's got C.J. Stroud 2 to the Houston Texans. He's got Will Anderson to the Arizona Cardinals at number 3. Now, I think Will Anderson is more of a sure thing 
than than Mel is letting on, than Mel is saying. I mean, I, I understand he's presenting the opposite side of this. I think Will Anderson's a freak. I think he's going to be great. I think he's going to be beyond great at this level. I, the, the, the Cardinals' search for a young, controllable pass rusher, you go back to passing up on Terrell Suggs, right, and trading down for Calvin Pace and Bryant Johnson. I mean, it, it feels like it's been that long. Simeon Rice is the first one that comes to mind when you talk about a true game-changing edge rusher that was drafted in the youth of his career. It's been a long time. I, I feel like the Cardinals, if they stay at number three, are overdue to go get another guy like that because it's just been too long until they've had somebody like that on the roster. Well, there's no question. Um, the fact that he doesn't have trades didn't make it interesting because one of the things which we discussed earlier, I mean, there's a lot of teams that need a quarterback and you know, yes. you sitting there at three, there's three quarterbacks that are going to go very, very high. So no matter what, there's no chance that at least one of those guys aren't going to be on the board. You will have a chance to trade. It's very likely you'll have a chance to trade. Now, are you better if two of the two of the three are on the board? Absolutely. There's a big difference if two are on the board than if just one is on the board. But there's a lot of teams behind you, a lot of them that need quarterbacks, and a lot of them to where you can make a trade with the team and not have to move down that far because you could still end up with the best corner or the best offensive lineman if you just move down a few spots, get a whole bunch of extra picks, and let that team take a quarterback. Now, you're not going to get Anderson or Carter, but you can still right. get somebody at another position. If you argue that Seattle needs a quarterback because they don't know for sure about Geno Smith, and I'm not saying I would, I'm just saying if you were to argue that. All right, the Cardinals are picking third. The Colts at four, they need a quarterback. Seattle at five, you could argue they need a quarterback. Detroit at six, you could argue they need a quarterback. Vegas at seven, Atlanta at eight, Carolina at nine. You don't get to a team that for sure does not need a quarterback until Philadelphia at 10. All right. Then you get to Tennessee at 11, maybe. Houston at 12, no. The Jets at 13, maybe. New England at 14, no. Then you get down to like Washington at 16. There is a stretch from four through nine where, depending on how far you want to fall, depending on what deal you want to make, there are deals out there for the Cardinals to make if they want. If they want to move down a few spots, they'll miss out on one of the two defensive studs, but they might get the best corner, the best offensive lineman, to your point. They would get a bounty of picks if they were to move down four spots in the draft, three spots in the draft. Right, a bounty right. But you may pass up on a yes. you know, a once-in-a-lifetime type defensive star player. Now, you know, that could come back to bite you, possibly. I mean, if you if you are sitting there, you know, listen, we've talked about this a whole bunch. I heard Bickley and Murata talking about it today. You know, is it time to have the Kyler Murray, Joey Bosa discussion? Yes, as I've reported several times, they you know, even at draft day, they would have taken Joey Bosa if they hadn't Nick taken Bosa. Uh, Nick, Nick Bosa. Bosa. I'm sorry, Joey, but Nick Bosa. They would have taken Nick Bosa, who's with San Francisco now, instead of Kyler. If, if they weren't going to take Kyler Murray, if they weren't going to take a quarterback, they would have taken Nick Bosa. You don't want to get to that point. In three years, Will and well, like say it's Will Anderson, and he's just tearing it up. With he's leading the league in sacks every year. You passed on him. You got a couple of good players, but you don't have that yeah. star. Because what have we talked about so much this year? Oh, look at the Cardinals, top twenty-five under talent. They didn't have anybody on anybody's list. 
good nope. players, not great yep. players. No elite players. They didn't have. They just don't have enough elite young players. As much as they want to clone Buda Baker and and raise a bunch of Buda Bakers to play at every position, it's they just don't have a roster that's built like that. So let me go through this mock real quick because I think it really kind of presents the opportunities here. Jalen Carter one, C.J. Stroud number two to the Texans, not Bryce Young. C.J. Stroud. Will Anderson, number three to the Cardinals. Bryce Young, four to the Colts. Will Levis, the quarterback out of Kentucky, five to the Seattle Seahawks. It stands to reason that if there's a third quarterback, likely Levis, who jumps into that top five, top three conversation, then at least theoretically, the Cardinals could move down to four or five, pick up a couple of extra picks, still get a great defensive player, one of those two defensive ballers at either four or five, if there's enough demand for a team to move up and make it three quarterbacks in the first three picks, and if the Cardinals can't. Now, I know I'm trying to thread a needle here, and it's probably not going to happen. Yeah, that's a dream scenario. That's, that's the dream scenario, yeah, right? Is that you move down sure. two spots, you still get one of those guys, and you get a bunch of picks to do it. Yeah. That's the dream okay, scenario. Yeah, they, I mean, that's what, you'll, you, that's what you'll shoot for. If not, then you've got to make the tough decision. Do you stay where you are, despite calls to get a quarterback and take a play? Like if you really feel that you know Carter or Anderson are game-changing players that you can't pass up on, you'll sit there and you'll make that pick, and you, you can't second-guess yourself. Um, but it's going to be hard for a new GM coming in to not have more you know at-bats, to not have more swings. And if you could turn one pick into four... And maybe you get a first this year and a first next year. That's hard. To, that's going to be really hard to pass that up, considering the Cardinals have so many needs. Yeah, no doubt about it. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo Show, first let me remind you, the Innings Festival is back. Looking forward to this. Two-day music festival featuring Green Day, Eddie Vedder, Weezer, The Offspring, and so much more. It returns to Tempe Beach Park on February 25th and 26th. Tickets just went on sale. You can head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for complete details and your chance to win tickets. And interesting report came out today. Certainly impacts the NBA's Western Conference. Potentially could impact the Suns. Is it something we need to keep an eye on with an ownership change looming for Phoenix? We'll talk about it next. Burns and Gambo. Arizona Sports. Breaking news. Write it down in your calendar, Gambo, because we've got this breaking news from the Phoenix Suns. According to Baxter Holmes, who has been kind of the lead writer for all things when it comes to the investigation of Robert Sarver, he is tweeting out that a press conference to introduce Matt Ishbia is slated for the morning of February 8th in Phoenix. Okay, one day before the trade deadline. One day before the trade deadline. Yes, sir. All right, there man. you go. Man. Okay. One day before the trade. I, I, You know what? I wasn't even thinking about this. The trade deadline is like 48 hours before the Super Bowl. That's here in our backyard. That's That week is going to be insane. Insane. Now, I mean, I don't know the Super Bowl for us. It's it's different when your team's not in it. But the fact that we're hosting it, you know, there there's there's that going on and all the parties and all the stuff going on, everything's going on that week. But to think that three days before the Super Bowl that the Suns are going to have the trade deadline and four days before the Super Bowl, Matt Ishbia is going to be introduced, that is going to be a big-time week for Phoenix sports right there. Yes. Big time. Yeah, the yeah. Super Bowl and a new owner. Wow. Yeah. 
All right, so wow. February 8th. Look at that. There's Baxter Holmes saying it. February 8th, that there will be a press conference to announce him. That will be right before the trade deadline. So that will give them uh, you know, plenty of time to put the plan in place if it's not already in place. Memory serves. The trade deadline is typically 1 o'clock in the afternoon, Arizona time. So, you know, depending on what time that is, yeah. And, and I imagine, you know, it gets finalized sometime before that, so any conversations can be had before. But the introduction press conference is on February 8th. So, yeah, crazy times. A lot going on around here. And, of course, keep it right here on Arizona Sports. We'll completely keep you covered on all that. Now, there's another story we have to pass along to you. And it, I, it took me by surprise. I wasn't expecting to see this just because, you know, I, I feel the frustration some fans have with James Jones. But I think for the most part, you build a team that wins 64 games. You build a team that goes to the NBA Finals two years ago. You're pretty happy with the dude and the job that he's done. There was a story today that Bob Myers, basically the second most powerful guy in the Warriors organization, might become a free agent this offseason, might be willing to go elsewhere. Phoenix was one of three teams listed as a possible destination for Bob Myers. Now, I saw S on Twitter earlier, Greg Esposito, he pointed out something that I think goes without saying, but we'll say it anyway. He's not coming here for anything less other than president of basketball operations. The other teams that were mentioned were Washington and New York, I think. Is this some sort of indication that maybe there might be some change within the basketball ops when Ishbia comes in? I, I'm not sure what to would, make of this. Listen, I would absolutely expect that there's going to be some kind of change in, in, in you know those type of roles. Not DG GM, not head coach, not coaching staff, you know, probably not the athletic trainers, but a lot of the day-to-day business. I'm sure Matt Ishbia has his own guys that he knows and trusts, and over time, and it may not be right away, he may let it roll out since we're so close to the end of the season, and you don't want to have these massive changes and distractions, you know, but I do think there will be a lot of changes. He's going to have, it's going to have to be. So, you know, whether it's the president of the team or the, the you know, the guy that handles the finances or... Yeah, there will be a lot of changes. He's not going to come in and keep everything status quo. He's going to bring in his own people. There'll be massive changes. I would expect that to be. Now, as far as, you know, can, you know, with Myers, what's going to happen there? I, this very well could be just, I'm trying to get more money out of Golden State. I'm trying to get more respect out of them. I'm, you know, trying to get a new contract out of them. It could be a lot more about that than him really wanting to leave. The only way I see any kind of shred of truth to it is, and I, I doubt this has been determined by now, would be if Matt Ishby and James Jones just really are not on the same page about how this thing should be run. Um, you know, that, that Ishby wants to do A, B, and C, and James Jones wants to do X, Y, and Z. And, and that they're both kind of, nope, this is my vision. No, this is my vision. Well, I want somebody who shares my vision, and we're going to go in that direction. As far as performance goes, not again, you know, it was a lot of status quo this offseason. It wasn't a real active trade deadline the last couple of years for the Suns. But for the most part, James Jones has done a marvelous job building a winning culture, a winning team, a winning organization. And I would hate to see him go, as much as I might get frustrated by some of the things they haven't done these last few months. I would I would hate to see him go. I, the only way I could see any kind of validity to this is if James and Matt are just on totally different pages about how the organization should should be run. That's the only way I could see it. Yeah, the only thing I think, the and, and it, it's the, the Meyer thing is fast. He wasn't there when they took Steph Curry. He was 
wasn't in charge when they took Clay Thompson. You know, like, you know, he's, you know, it's not his money. It's the owner's money as to why they spent so much over the cap. You know, I mean, that's that's a nice place to be for anybody when you get to spend that type of cap money. So I don't know. I don't know how much credit he should get, to be honest with you. I really don't. He didn't draft Steph Curry. He didn't draft. He was he was an assistant GM when Clay got drafted later in the draft. And again, it's a crazy amount of money that the owner was willing to spend. I So again, I don't know how much credit... Um, you know he is he should get for what happened with Golden State, but because of their success, he does get some. He clearly gets some. Yeah, it's it's just something to keep an eye on. Something to kind of keep you know in the back of our minds a little bit because there's no doubt. I mean, we talked about this a couple of hours ago. New owner comes in, and it was different when Robert Sarver came in. He was contractually bound to keep Jerry Colangelo around. And I'm saying I'm not saying he didn't want to, but that was part of the arrangement. Jerry was going to stay on for five years, help run the organization. Brian was going to stay on for a couple of years, help run the organization as the GM before Robert decided to go in a different direction. There are no restrictions like that for Matt Ishbia. He can come in here, and yeah, he's got minority owners, and yeah, he doesn't own 100% of the team, but he's the majority owner, and that makes him the majority decision maker. If he wants to go in a different direction, it's it's. I don't see that happening because of the success they've had. But there's no doubt there's going to be changes. Like you, I assume most of them are going to be on the business side. I assume most of them are going to be, you know, with president and the financial guy and all the stuff that you just mentioned a second ago. But it would be a bold stroke for him to come in and make a personnel change with the guy who was the architect of a team that won 64 games or who went to the NBA Finals I don't see it. Ago. No, I don't see it. That would be very bold. I don't no. see it either. I, I, see his, I see his role with those guys of being very supportive. What do you need? What can I do to help you guys? And then at the end of you know, in the offseason, they'll evaluate everything else. Yeah, we'll see. Again, that's something that bears keeping an eye on. But if you're just tuning in, February 8th, the day before the trade deadline, that is the day Matt Ishbia is going to be introduced as the new owner of the Phoenix Suns. That is going to do it for us. We are out of here. We'll see you tomorrow straight up 2 o'clock here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Have a great night, everyone. You still here? It's over. Go home. Go.